Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And welcome to Dirtfish's Spin the Rally Pod. As the street listeners will be aware, I'm not Lisa O'Sullivan. David Evans, Colin Clark, George Donaldson, none of them are here either. Instead, you're stuck with me, Luke Barry. But I have to say I'm very much not stuck in my situation. I'm here in the wonderful island of Barbados. And joining me is a rather special man. And we're about to hear his voice, Mr. Neil Barnard. How are you? I'm, um, I'm recovering. <laughs> So for the astute of you, you will be aware that Rally Barbados happened at the weekend and this was my personally first time. Neil, it's not your first time at Rally Barbados. Do you want to tell everybody how, how many times you've been involved with this event in some form of capacity? So I, I, I'm afraid I've, bo- I've been born into this madness. Um, my grandfather was a founding member of the club back in the late 50s, early 60s. Both my mum and dad competed in the 70s and into the 80s. So I didn't have any chance whatsoever. Uh, I drove in my first event, late 80s. Yeah, um, early 90s. And then from there, I competed for quite a while and then got involved in the organizational side of things. Wow, maybe 12, 15 years ago. Yeah, so, so it's been a while. So it's fair to say you know, you know your stuff, don't you? You're not, you, <laughs> you're not a Rally Barbados virgin. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not, but and, and I feel quite fortunate in that I've been on both sides of the fence as well as a competitor. Not only as a driver, but actually a co-driver as well, because I've actually competed in Ireland and in the UK. Oh, there you go. And the Caribbean. Yes, of course. Yeah. So, as, as I was saying, we've got me and we've got an absolute expert, so hopefully nah. this goes well. It will be a slightly shorter version, but we are here, of course, to talk about Rally Barbados. First thing I have to say, Neil... Genuinely speaking, thank you very much for having us here. That's the first thing. I've never experienced anything like this before. Nothing ever. And Neil is smiling. He's grinning away right now, which it means he's happy. And generally, that's the first thing to, to get off my chest, first of all, is if nobody, or for people that haven't been here before, the welcome you get is just second to none from everybody. The second I got here in the airport, it was like, a, I'm a Scotsman, if you can't tell from the accent, so off the plane, from windy Scotland suddenly into this massive abyss of heat. It was quite a strange acclimatization, but once that was, heat can make me grumpy. So maybe it wasn't in the best mood I climbed off the plane, but the second I saw anybody, they're all just welcoming, happy. I see Neil when I come out of the airport, he ferries me around. I've been ferried around all weekend. Everybody from spectators coming out to us at gas stations asking if we know where the programs are sold. It's been, it's been nuts. The people here, Neil, are just fantastic. <laughs> well, listen, thank you for that. Um, I think as an island, which obviously one of its prime industries is tourism, um, a lot of people, you know, they expect to and interact with uh, visitors to the island. And the event is kind of built on that format, right? So we have quite serious rallying here, as you will have attested to over the last weekend. 
So people here generally locals take it very seriously. Uh, but the event itself has always been built on serious rallying in uh, uh, an environment which is unusual and which is unique and generally very welcoming. And and we we promote it as such. We promote it as an event whereby listen, it's it's a holiday built around a rally or a rally built around a holiday. Yeah. Either way you look at it. That's and that is the best way to look at it. And it's the best way to describe it as well. I, I can confirm, and I probably should be careful what I say here because I have been sent on a work mission, but it hasn't really felt like much work. I'll be honest. Um, but it, it has, as you rightfully say, I think it is, and I'd heard this before I came here as well that it is the people that make this event. And yeah. that's not to say that the event wouldn't work without the welcoming people, but there's just something about it. I've admittedly I've not been all the way around the world to rallies across, but I've been to enough to know that there is something very special here, and it's it really needs to be shared around the world because I think everybody that's been here knows and they tell all their friends and they all come back but for those that don't and have maybe just missed it it's, it's very easy to underestimate how important that is for your enjoyment over a weekend yeah. everybody is just so nice to each other and I've heard countless stories of, of people just helping each other out in, in areas of need and rallying in general is quite good for that but here it's, it goes beyond what's happening in the event it was somebody I was speaking to on Sunday morning at Bushy Park and they were telling me that they had a, I can't remember what the issue was with their car, but there was something wrong with it. And they met somebody and they were sort of just describing the situation they had. And the mechanic said to them, you go off, go to the beach, I'll fix the problem. You're here to enjoy the rally. He wanted to pay him, he wouldn't take any money. And it's just, it's fantastic. I, I honestly do not think you'd get there anywhere else in the world. So you should be proud, I think. <laughs> Thanks very much. I mean, it, it does, that, that whole... I guess that whole approach of, of giving and trying to lend people a hand does permeate uh, certainly the, the competition community, the rallying community here. Um, obviously, it's not without it's not without its you know contentious nature as well as it is anywhere in terms of you know high competition and people trying to beat one another on the stages and so on and so forth. But generally, the social atmosphere surrounding motorsport on the island has always been exceptional. Yeah, and and you're right to point out to. Uh, the competition on the stage as well because that can get lost and look, overlooked a little bit because it's yeah. a bit of a different rally and there's there's several aspects to it. I always think that events on an island are, are just unique anyway. There's just something about just the, the sort of feeling when you get there, the fact you have to either get a ferry or fly, you cannot drive to get there per se. So it just it makes it feel like an adventure before you even hit the start line but the stage is here and you, you can tell us about this in, in a second but they're demanding they're quite rough in places, they're, they're quicker than people might think, and even when it's, and we had a little bit of rain this weekend, particularly on uh, Sunday night, that was unfortunate before the Bishop Park, yeah, yeah, that yeah. changed things a bit, um, I was stood outside of that actually, so I've had all weathers, uh, believe it or not, for, for people thinking they've had a relaxing time in the sunshine, not necessarily all the time, but this, the stages, they are demanding, they, they require constant concentration, and the key thing is they're short, so that means, yes, there's maybe less miles than some other events, but every single point tenth of a mile counts you cannot yeah. be sleeping on the first no. stage you have to be at it from the word go correct yeah it's a bit full-on and and i think you you and i have spoken about this before you came out and it's the it's the pace of the event so it's really quite frenetic you know the local competitors uh we had some complaints this weekend because we had set a rally which was quite different to the ones we've set in the past in the past we've had an event where we run a traditional clover leaf format with three stages um, but in the past, we've centered them in the north on one day and then in the east on the second day. So the transits in between the stages are generally 
anywhere between six, eight, 15 minutes at most between yeah. the stages. But the difference in the past is that generally the three stage format we were running would have one for us long stage of 8K and then two really shorter ones at three and a half, 4K. So this year what we did was we changed the format quite considerably to have three stages that were between six and 8K, but then there were longer transits in between. Uh, and the, the locals, they're accustomed to very short transits. So we had some complaints about the fact that they were having to drive 20 minutes to get to the next stage for us as organizers, it was fantastic because it gives us a bit of breathing room for the next cars appear. Uh, because in the traditional format we run the event, there's no, there's almost no downtime on a stage. It just, it's just running from the time it starts, the cars are back and it just keeps going. Uh, and, and from a competitor's perspective, it is pretty full on because you almost don't, at some points, I've had competitors tell me that they don't take the helmets off. So they're doing these three stage loops and although there are three stages, are quite short international terms you, you simply don't take your helmet off yeah that coupled with the heat does make <laughs> it fairly taxing yeah it's it, it, it can be fairly grueling but this this year obviously we had an event which as i was saying earlier we, we had slightly longer stages uh, so that then meant slightly longer transit routes but for us it, it made a huge difference but it didn't seem to make the event any less challenging to be quite honest yeah it's hard to me to to really give an appraisal because I haven't been here on the island for the other yeah. events. But at no point did I ever look at any drivers complaining that they were doing one stage more than they might have done in the past. So I'll say that. But for those that maybe aren't as aware, and you mentioned it actually, you've spoken to me about it before, but you mentioned it to everybody that was at the the prize giving last night at the boatyard. But the event obviously has been a bit different in terms of your organizational lead time this year it's been <laughs> quite <laughs> quite the challenge to even get the rally going let alone have this this wonderful atmosphere that you've, you've always been famous for yes so we normally like most events of this size and the, the event is i mean we normally have between 70 to 90 cars so from that perspective it's a big event uh although it's held on an island which is 166 square miles and we've got this year we got 125 stage kilometers so in traditional terms, you can view it as a short event. For us, it's a pretty major event. We've got 300 volunteers. You know, the event costs close to a million Barbados dollars to run, which is that? half a million euro yeah. uh, or a little bit more. And it attracts obviously some decent vehicles. So for us and the way we have to run the event structurally, so we have to apply for road closure permission, which is granted by the government through the Ministry of Transport and Works. We have to do that quite in advance six to eight weeks at minimum to do that and our planning normally starts invariably eight to ten months prior to the rally itself because there are a lot of things that we have to cross t's and dot i's here for we are very privileged that we get to do what we do here in terms of closing the public roads but there's some peculiarities in terms of being able to do so uh, one of which is not trying to disrupt bus routes too much so we have to regularly shut stage down stages down when the cars are obviously clear let buses through we have to we have a very good uh, i say very good we have a, a a good work relationship with the residents and so on that live on the, the traditional stage venues that we run we have to manage that again in an island that's small and has a large population for the size island there's a big impact on the yeah. traveling public and residents as a whole even though we have as you would have witnessed thousands of spectators out in the weekend not everybody loves rallying <laughs> so we have to manage that process and we try to do it you know as uh, and try to communicate with people as best we can 
get them to understand the impact, the positive impact it does have on the island and its economy. And we have fantastic buy-in from the Barbados Tourism Marketing Inc. and all of the, the government agencies and bodies. And then of course our, our, our sponsors as well and the competitors and all of our volunteer marshals and everyone else. But in terms of the time frame, yeah, I mean, normally it is 10 months. Uh, it's, it's almost a year, so it's an all-going process, all-around year process in terms of media and PR and promotion. But in terms of planning, it's 10 months. And this year, yeah, we've had 10 weeks. Yeah, it's not a lot. No, it's not a lot of time. It has been, it has been, it's one of those things whereby you kind of decide you're going to do it and everybody's on board. And then you're in the middle of it and you go, well, what the hell have we decided to do here? This is madness. Anyway, it, it has been successful. There's no question about it. Primary for us always and for our sponsors to run a safe rally. Yeah. And this year, I think with the restructuring that we did, which was done with health and safety in mind, based on the fact that the island still is very much in a pandemic, uh, that health and safety is paramount and we ran a safe rally. So, yeah. <laughs> That, that, as you say, that that's the only thing you can really hope for, isn't it? But it was also a, a very entertaining one. In a way, it was kind of a shame that the because we had an epic battle for the epic. lead really, that, that, epic yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, but it did kind of fizzle a little bit on Sunday. But it'd be easy to look at that and think, oh well, that's a shame. The, the stages after weren't interesting, but. The fact that it happened to me, Dane Skeet, the driver that won, if anybody that is listening to this isn't aware, but I hope you are aware, because we have had plenty of content on the website, which I hope you've been <laughs> enjoying. Mm. But Dane Skeet, obviously, there's big, big family history there for him. Yeah. His dad has won this record 13 times. I think the next highest number is maybe five wins or something. So, something like that, yeah. yeah. So Ro Roger is the man. They call him the sheriff here, don't they? Yes, so, that's correct. Yeah. So he was actually one of the first people I managed to meet. So I came in at the top, really. <laughs> there you go. From there. Um, but yeah, Dane Skeet won the rally. But he, for me, he had a brilliant master plan. He knew he, 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 knew, he knows the roads. They all do, the local drivers. But he knew he could be fast. But he knew that to be fast here, you have to be fast, but not fast everywhere. Correct. He calculated the risk. He knew when to push and when not to. The time on the first stage on Sunday, I think it was maybe four seconds quicker than Stuart Maloney, who was leading the rally overnight. That... Did that cause Stuart to make his mistake? I don't know. But it was a big time gap to pull out on one stage only because there were only three and a half minute stages in time. So it was a mega run. Um, I mean, it's difficult for you to maybe appraise drivers because you, you won't look at it that way the same way I will. But what would you, do you make of, of Dane's performance? To me, it was, it was just a, an excellent plan that was perfectly executed. He is, you know, it's interesting because as a local, we obviously do exactly that. Like, we because there's such massive interest locally and regionally for, for rallying in particular, motorsport, but for rallying in particular, there's obviously a lot of chatter. The same way there is in WRC or ERC in terms of, you know, you, you look at people's performances and you say, well, they've got this machinery now. How are they getting on? What are they doing? Dane is, he has been driving for a while, right? So he started in carts as you should, as you do. Yeah. Uh, and then worked his way up through slower front wheel drive machinery until he was competing. I think for him, his real big leap in terms of performance was he started rallying uh, a Peugeot 306 Maxi. Yeah. Did and, he? Yeah. And they, How come they, I did not know this? Yeah. And, wow. and, and uh, he was genuinely quick in that car. But the problem with that car on our roads is that, you know, they're built for French tarmac, which is like, you know, billiard board smooth. <laughs> and our roads are rough. So what he would end up doing in that car is be blindingly fast in it. But the car itself was fragile. So the results didn't come. And funny enough, we had a long conversation prior to this event, and it was to do with me and a whole set of guys. And it was to do with the fact that 
we had this stage in the rally which no one had competed on before to a large extent. And therefore, we felt that Dane and some of his past drives whereby he's turned up at stages which have been new or a different configuration and he's just blown the competition away. And we referenced one rally we had in 2017 where we started on a Friday night and we went to a stage in North Island which was two stages connected and part of it we hadn't driven before. And he put down some times which were just absolutely stunning in, in the maxi. And he split a whole set of four-wheel drive cars and people kind of scratching their heads at the end of the stage going, well, what the hell happened there? So it was one of those things whereby you kind of look back and think, all right, well, the, you know, this guy is not, he's good. Like, he is actually good. He's not just good local good. Yeah. He's good. He's good beyond. And, and I think that's one of our strengths here is that there definitely is half a dozen guys who, have dri who drive here compete who they're good not just at a clubman level they're actually good yeah and it we've always wondered what they would be like you know if they had the exposure overseas and of course as you well know after that point it's all about money right so budgets <laughs> and trying to get overseas and doing you know doing what you do and, and for us here it is that it's still amateur which is a bit mad when you look at an entry list that has 14 r5 cars on it um the majority of which reside here year round and think well hold on a second this is this is just clubman <laughs> sport like what the hell is going on? But that's how seriously the guys take, you know, take the rally. But Dane's performance, as you said, it was measured. He drove to plan. It was an incredibly mature drive, to be yeah. quite honest. And I think at the back of his mind, always with the, the Subaru being an old rally car now, uh, was its reliability. Uh, it's not, it, it's long in the tooth, for sure. And up against very, very, very quickly driven current R5 uh, Rally 2 machinery um, it was always that was always the question mark so yeah I mean really and truly I agree with you it's, it, it really was a phenomenal performance I've always wondered what would have happened if Stuart hadn't made the mistake that he did on the first reverse run of Dark Hole and he said to me that essentially he, he'd come over a crest and it just a, a little bit too heavy on the landing and it broke something and then the wheel hit a curb and everything so it was all, all just a bit of a, an unfortunate mistake really but he reckoned he was potentially pushing a little bit too hard when he didn't know the stage in that direction mm -hmm. so as you said it, the Dark Hole was the stage that was, was, was basically new for everyone and he didn't have they done the stage three times the other way, but as everybody knows, if you're going down the opposite road of direction, it might be the same corner, but it can look very different. Completely different. So Completely different. it's one of those big what ifs, but he has to deserve a lot of credit for his drive as well, because yes, he's he's been rallying and he's done some racing and he's won this rally as a co-driver as well, which I didn't actually know either until he told me. <laughs> but he he knows what he's doing in a car, but he's not been rallying a lot that recently. He's, he's relatively new to it again at this sort of level. And this was his best performance by far in on this rally. So I think it. I'm just really excited to see what we can do next year. To be honest, I, I I agree with you. Um, Stuart has he has a hell of a lot of pedigree, and again, extraordinarily talented driver. He was enormously successful racing. He's won the Caribbean um, Racing Championship, the CRC, uh, before, and prior to that, he actually used to rally an Evo three. I don't know if he told you that. Uh, with some considerable flamboyance. <laughs> uh, I, I have I have some recollection of Stuart throwing that car around that Mitsubishi around on stages back in the 2000s and I mean just astonishing. Um, so as you say there's plenty of experience there but the speed absolutely that he had shown this weekend and up against it and it was it was really nip and tuck. 
uh, through Saturday. I mean, there was there was really nothing in it. There was nothing. I think yeah. there was uh, after several stages. I think I I, I did count. And I've forgotten the number, but there was at least two, potentially three, where the gap between the top two was less than a second yeah. overall. It's just it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, the other Maloney we have to talk about, obviously, Zane. And to be fair, I think even he was surprised that he, he won the, the King of the Hill rally the weekend before, which earned him number one seed for the rally. So, yeah, he's a big name, but for a driver that's done no proper full rally before to start Rally Barbados as number one is it's a bit of pressure, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's only 18. Um, obviously, his all of his experience now really and truly is racing. And, and his dad said, but as his dad has told me, Sean, he, he's, you know, he'll say, he, Zane will just drive anything. He, he, he'll compete in anything. You just give him anything to drive at steering, he'll drive it. And, and he'll drive it absolutely committed too. So it, it was, obviously, we were really excited when we learned that he was going to compete in the event. And uh, he definitely has shown some remarkable pace. Yes, there's probably a bit of consistency there to come. Uh, I'm very happy that on the one hand, uh, that one of my right-hand people from an organizational perspective, Craig Yearwood, had gone with him because Craig is incredibly experienced uh, as a co-driver and obviously as a person who's been involved in the planning and setting of the rally before. So loads of knowledge there that you can give him in terms of what was going on. But yeah, I, I don't know what to say about Zane. I mean, he you know he now heads off to go and do F3. Yeah, it, It's a bit mad. I mean, and and I know this is not the last rally he's going to do. He'll be back. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the key thing for me. I asked him that. He was, I think, the nice thing for him was he, he did get to do a demo run after his retirement at Bushy yes. Park, which was obviously it's a family old circuit and everything. It was brilliant for him. And the fans there, by the way, we're going on a segue, but my word, you told me about this, <laughs> but whoa, it was honestly like being at like a, a football game or any other kind of sport. It was just incredible. That's I, a great analogy. Yeah. It yeah. was cause it is. Well, I felt like a stadium where we were standing from on the bank and stuff, and it was just even in the the terrible weather, which I mentioned before, everybody was still at it. They're still up for it. It was, and as you said, they appreciate someone that that drives with flamboyance or drives to the absolute maximum of their car. Yeah. And we we saw all of that, I think, yeah. on that particular stage. Yeah. Um, but we had that was the segue complete. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, Zane, he, he does he does want to do more rallies, and I think it'll be really interesting to see what he can do when he does. But to be honest. I think driver of the rally was Josh Reed. I, I don't think anybody could have expected him to come second on his. It was his first. He did King of the Hill in the R5. Correct. But this is his first proper rally in an R5 car, first proper rally in a four-wheel drive car as well, I believe. That's correct. So, yeah, it was against the quality we had here, and, and there was big quality. Drivers had done his rally maybe 17, 18, 19, 20 times more in some cases. Yep. To come here and, and do that was was mighty. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I, again, when we saw the time come through from his first stage on Saturday morning and he was second overall, all of us in rally control kind of took a step back and went, okay then. <laughs> well, that's a marker if you've ever seen one. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's straight. Josh is such a quiet, unassuming guy. And we've always known that he's been a really talented local driver. But again, he's competing in two-wheel drive class with home-built Toyota Starlets, as you do here. Uh, he has been super, super quick. But yeah, the step up, you would have thought, okay, well, this is really a completely different kettle of fish here, really. But it was interesting because uh, I was speaking to his, his co-driver yesterday, uh, Barry Ward, and he was telling me that it's not the fast stuff. He's, he's completely committed with the fast stuff. Uh, it was getting the grips with the car in the tight, twisty stuff because, of course, it just behaves differently. Yeah. Um, but he seemed to get around that fairly quickly. 
Yeah, if, if, if that was him getting around it slowly, then my word, we've got, <laughs> we've got something to come. But I'm, I'm going to take another quite uh, segue, actually, and it's not necessarily Rally Barbados specific, but it is Barbados. And I think it's a, quite a key thing to highlight, actually, because not a lot of people are maybe outside of the island are aware of the FIA R5 Championship you have over here now. And yeah. Most of the time in the past, this rally has been, there have been various sort of subcategories in it, but it's never really been a headline championship there. Obviously, Dane Skeet in the World Rally Car is not competing there, but the vast majority of everybody else was. Can you, can you explain a little bit about, about that and the sort of the rise of the R5 on the island, I guess? That, that, is, that is kind of exploded. So, from a rules and regulations perspective, our, as with any club, the, the rules are voted on by the membership. So, they decided to basically put a moratorium on WRC cars, so you can't compete in anything legally, uh, anything more current than what Dane competes in, which is an S12 Subaru. So beyond that, we were, you've got a situation whereby, well, our five cars are fully legal and there's a class for them. And at first there were a couple people that bought them, uh, but the WRC cars were still had kind of had the, the, they were still being bested by these old WRC cars. But then, of course, the guys bring in more current cars, Rally 2 cars, uh, Evo 2 Skodas, so on and so forth. And then it's, well, hold on a second. These are, now, these are now actually at the sharp end. It's no longer a case of, oh, well, you're not sure what to get or where to go. And from the time that happened, the class exploded. And there's no question in my mind that we'll see Dan Skeet next year in an, a Rally 2 car. What flavor it is, I don't know. Yeah. But we'll see that that's going to happen now. So ultimately, the top class in the island now is Rally 2 R5, for sure. And by extension, last year, uh, the Barbies Motoring Federation came up with an idea to try and come up with uh, uh, an R5 championship. Well, they would administer an R5 championship. There were a couple of guys who owned the cars. Uh, it would be run then and encompass a range of events, so not just rallies. They looked at doing uh, some sprint events, some acceleration tests, some other type of autocross type tests. So it became a, a true kind of national championship, but just for that class. And this year is the first year uh, that it's happening. Uh, they have a major kind of uh, title sponsor for a citizens bank, which is Trinidadian based bank, uh, but with branches here in Barbados. And, and they've come on board and they've lent the type of, of media coverage and backing that they needed to kind of promote the championship and get it going. And it's been fairly hotly contested. I mean, this weekend, I would have said that the Spark money was always on Stuart. But obviously, he hasn't finished the rally. Yeah. And I had a look at the point standing this morning because they tabulated them. And of course, now it's completely all tightened up uh, as a result. And, and it's unfortunate for him, it really is. But for the championship, obviously, now it's blown it kind of wide open again um, with events still to come. But I'm not sure where that goes. Um, I think already it's a success. It'll be interesting to see how the year plays out. I think that big picture scenario is it could be Caribbean wide. We used to have an amazing uh, set of Caribbean rallies. We used to have an astonishing rally in, in Jamaica, which still exists, right? Jamaica still exists. But in the early 90s, it was a big, big deal, far bigger than our event was. Uh, and then Trinidad had an excellent gravel rally. And of course, Martinique has had a, a rallying history and a heritage for years. What was um, Simon Jean-Joseph winning the European Rally Championship and he lives there he's come to compete in our event and some of our guys have been to Martinique competed and they have amazing stages like amazing stages from a tarmac perspective uh, and I've been there 
uh, for one of their rallies um, two or three years ago, prior to the pandemic. So I'm not sure where the R5 championship goes, but certainly it would be an ideal platform for a Caribbean championship. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think there is big potential and it's exciting, but as you say, nobody can ever know what will happen next. Yeah. But I think the fact it exists is, is a massively positive step. Yeah. I'm going to move us on a little bit because I've just checked the time on, and we've been speaking for far longer than I realise I've got a plane to get soon, so better not take too long. But other drivers I sort of wanted to mention first in the overall, Rob Swan, another podium, a new one for him though. He's never been third. He's, he likes a second place here. Yeah, he likes a second place. Yeah. <laughs> but third, I think it was only 1.3 seconds he got Kevin Proctor by in the end, who had, I believe... I've not yet. I'm yet to see the onboard. I don't know if anybody ever will, but quite a frightening spin on dark hole. In the same dark hole. Yes, so I heard. Yeah. So I heard. I think his. Well, I probably shouldn't repeat the quote he gave me actually after that. <laughs> but yeah, there was a big legion of UK drivers that come over here, and to be fair, coming from the UK myself, that's kind of where I'd always heard of the event. But yeah. just sort of looking at it from from that end, there was obviously a, a massive entry list of people from all over the world. But yeah. how important is it for the rally to have the international interest? Because you'd have enough quality with the locals anyway. But how great is it for you to welcome so many drivers from different pockets of the globe? It, it's important from a number of different factors. So first of all, from a competitive perspective, it is important because a lot of our guys don't get out of the Caribbean to compete. So having guys come into the Caribbean to compete exposes them to obviously different levels of competition, different drivers, different vehicles. So from that perspective, it enriches what goes on, gives the guys some experience. From a business tourism perspective, it is essential. Uh, and it's one of the things that we hold dear in terms of the event itself and us working with people like the Barbados Tourism Marketing uh, Inc. And, and other major stakeholders with the event itself that we basically bring tourism dollars into the island through these overseas entries. And, you know, they don't come here for a single weekend, you, you know, like you guys have been forced to do three or four days. Yeah. They come here over the space of two weekends, invariably it's two weeks. So, and they bring families with them. So again, it gets back to where we started our podcast, which is that, Sometimes it's a holiday built around a rally and a rally built around a holiday. And people treat it normally 10 to 12, 14 days is normally the time frame they come for. And that for us is a, is a big injection of capital into the island at which time at the moment is actually a down part in our overall tourism calendar. So this is our slow period. Winter is our high, high season. Yeah. So from that perspective, it's absolutely essential on both ends. So from economic perspective and for enriching local motorsport for sure. And I don't want to leave out here at, at this point that, you know, it, it's also important for as a club and as an event that we, we also pay lots of attention and understand that the local competing base beyond the sharp end is actually what also make, gives the event the flavor yeah. uh, that it does. The fact that we have clubman guys that are still building cars in their backyards to our homegrown regulations. And for us, we do hold that pretty dear. Uh, the... the, the entry across the board is not homogenous um, and it's that interest and that flavor which is it, it really is it, it embodies the event itself and the spirit of the event which is why those guys that came here in the Land Rover they've <laughs> left their superstars superstars because for Bajans themselves Barbadians Bajans uh, them as spectators seeing somebody hurl a TD 90 around the stages here on this island is like the best thing they've ever seen yeah Absolutely. But similarly, the guy that's built his, you know, Honda Civic in the backyard and he's popping and banging and driving like a maniac 
within obviously stage controlled environment <laughs> um you know that 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 is that's a big deal as well and all the guys that drive the bmws is looking through their you know the side windows for the entire rally as well yeah yeah i, I can confirm there's there's a fantastic variety of cars and from again for me coming from a uk perspective we have quite strict noise controls and everything else yeah. but, um i think i forgot my earplugs for this weekend <laughs> standing on some of the stages some of those guys are coming through i think <laughs> particularly justin campbell who, who did manage to win the two-wheel drive cars at his m3 but that car my word i was standing at the start line i think it was the, of the final stage on saturday basically behind that car that's still with me. Well, the, tru <laughs> still the, the truth in mind is that we do have decibel limits. Yeah, that is part of the, you know, our regulations, which are, they are tightly controlled. We, we have pretty serious regs here. Uh, and there were seven cars that failed the, the, the decibel test prior to the event. And they had to go and sort it out before they were allowed to start. So I'm not sure if Justin was one, uh, <laughs> but there were seven cars that were like, my word, that's a bit loud. Yeah. In that case, I'll issue a correction and I'll say your noise limits are higher than what we have anywhere else. Probably, probably, probably. But a word on Justin's rally as well, because I think everybody's always quite interested in the two-wheel drive class because, A, because you've got loads of different drivers that are actually in some ways more, but probably are more entertaining to watch actually the four-wheel drives for a lot of people because the way they approach corners and it's, and I say that that's the atmosphere here, it's the fans love a bit of action. Um, but it was a tight battle. It wasn't an easy rally to no. win. And what I love about it, particularly here, was the diversity. Like in yeah. second place, a driver in a Daihatsu. It's like I don't honestly don't know where else in the world that would happen behind a BMW M3. And it's and it was competitive all rally long. Yeah. Well, that that car is a bit special. So yeah, the only place I know that they rally Daihatsus anymore is probably Australia. Yes. Um, yeah. They used to rally a lot of front wheel drive charades there at one point. Uh, but yes, I mean, our market here is dominated by Japanese cars in terms of cars on the road. Uh, there are hardly any European cars on the island um, because of import duties and what they cost. And the Japanese market has always dominated the Caribbean in general. But that car is a bit special. So Eddie Corbin, that finished second in two-wheel drive and won his class in that car, he comes from almost like rallying royalty. His uncle, his dad, they've all rallied for absolute years. They've been enormously successful, but they've always rallied Toyotas. They've always rallied Toyotas. And of course, Daihatsu is really a Toyota. Uh, and the engine in that, I guarantee you, is a Toyota engine, but it's a very <laughs> special Toyota engine. Um, and those guys, they've always produced cars that just run a train, to be quite honest. Yeah. And they can pedal, all yeah. of them, the whole lot of them. Yep. So to wrap this up, I guess the best way to look at it is and it's a bit of a cliche thing for me to ask, but what happens now? You mentioned at the start of the podcast, you've got 10 months to organize. Can you allow yourself any time off to sort of, you must have debriefs, I assume, to look at what worked yeah. and what didn't, but yeah. is there ever a pause in, in being involved in organizing Rally Barbados? Or is it just 24 seven, 365 days a year? It, it, is, it is, so I, I mean, I don't do this for a living. I'm, I'm a volunteer like everyone else that's involved. Uh, we do have a few professionals that deal with certain aspects of the event, but by and large, it's just full volunteer, like it is most places on the planet. Yeah, we've now got to go through a couple of serious debriefs. Uh, what you see on the outside, invariably, I am always keen when I talk to other people that organize events or are involved in a high level organizing events, we all seem to have the same problems. On the outside, the rally looks incredibly successful and all the competitors are happy and spectators and sponsors and so on, which is fantastic. And then we kind of go away and we root around and grumble about this and that and the other and this didn't work properly and that. <laughs> But I guess that's what you know keeps the event going, keeps the event improving. 
uh, and there's no way to be complacent about it it's just not it's not feasible and I think that's one of the the main success points of the event is that we have people that are incredibly committed and they're not complacent and they are looking to try and push the event to try and correct things try and make the event better your impression of that event is pretty good uh, our impressions at the event is pretty good but it could be better yeah and and there are other things that, you know it's, it's it's funny you should ask the question because before we even were granted permission to return to rallying which happened 10 weeks ago by the government there were things we were discussing not for this year event for 2023 event so it was like the NACAM championship which we were part of we were listed as FIA part of the NACAM championship uh, but we had to that didn't work out because of pandemic because of certain issues to do with shipping the cars primarily from Mexico yeah. uh, where the majority of that championship takes place they go to Canada and the States Costa Rica but we were listed as one of the only tarmac rallies on their championship for this year so that's hopefully gonna materialize in 2023 uh, but in addition, we, we, we get lots of interest from people overseas who want to come compete in the event. And, and that's one of the big things that we try and accommodate on a very meager budget. Uh, so I've already had word that there have been certain people in the WRC paddock over the weekend in Sardinia who said, oh, I'd like to come and do that event. And, you know, certain people who've been once before, but they'd love to come back. And so all of those things go through our minds um, and to see where we can land up. And then there's the event itself. And, and again, trying to cross these and dot I's and figure out, well, what can we do better? I think the key question I now have from a very selfish perspective is, will you have me back next year? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I think for us, um, we form these long-term relationships, or we like to think we do, particularly with media houses. Media for us is incredibly important. And for us, the, the publicizing the event is is what it's about particularly for some of our large institutional partners like the btmi and the tourism development corporation and the ministry of tourism to be quite honest and actually that's one of the first debrief meetings i'm going to have is actually with the minister of tourism uh, i was reported i was told that last night um, but for us having media people back and keep them coming back is essential so yeah bring it on <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly not going to complain if my boss is not listening to this then I would like to pitch for going again next year, <laughs> wouldn't complain, yeah. but I have to say Neil, thank you very much, not just for joining us today on Spin the Rally Pod, but for you and the entire organising team's hospitality, it's been it's been brilliant. I'm going to leave here not just having had a great weekend's rallying, but just a great experience overall, and it's just incredible. For somebody that's not travelled as much of the world as I maybe have wanted to, it's been great to come here for quote unquote work, so <laughs> it's been fantastic, thank you very much. You're very welcome.